three, two. Hello, everyone. You're listening to episode 257 of the At Percussion podcast. My name is Ksenia Komljanovic, and with me are, as always, Ben Charles. Hey, Ksenia, how are you? Hey, Ben. I was muted, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you've done this for 250 episodes. Um, Casey Cangelosi. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Going well, Casey. Um, tell us what's up with our Patreon. Uh, big thanks. We have a new, a new supporter. Christopher Dendalis, thanks so much for becoming a patron. He's getting tenure. So we've, we've heard from him on a show already, actually. He was on a roundtable. It was the Percussive Arts Society Education Committee. So yeah, we've heard from Chris already. So anyway, thanks so much. And we look forward to hearing from him more. Lovely, lovely. Whoop, whoop. Um, just in case you don't. He gets the shaker song. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Oh, that was that was so good. Um, awesome. If you too are interested in helping the podcast out, uh, please check the link below that we have. And you could uh, either be a darn freshman or tell us you really like Xenakis, or you could get tenure for $9. So not a bad deal for tenure. They're way funnier than that. Though, but fine. Yeah. Basically. Well, Casey thought of them. I don't know. Maybe he'll deliver it better yeah, when a he damn freshman to... or you can be a master's student that won't shut up about Xenakis um, <laughs> or see look people are already our guests are laughing and in a good mood because I took over <laughs> but where's, where's the shaker serenade it's not even listed <laughs> yeah seriously uh, Joe Mama could you shush for a moment yeah, let's move on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and last and certainly not least of my co-hosts, Carly Vigna. Hi, Carly. Hey, Ksenia. How's it going? Going well. Thank you. Um, what's up? What happened in history today? Yeah, you know, I have to say I was starting to get a little worried when I was looking up history today because, you know, I was coming up with not, not too many interesting things. Like the first couple ones I found were getting a little dark. Um, in 2008, on our release date, uh, November 12th, Drummer Mitch Mitchell um, from the Jimi Hendrix Experience was found dead in his hotel room at age 61. So I read that. It's like, okay, well, interesting, significant, little dark. Then I saw that in 2003, session drummer Tony Thompson of the Power Station and Chic died of kidney cancer in LA at age 48. It was like, okay, so maybe on November 12th, if you're listening and you're a rock drummer, um, take care of yourself today. Be careful. So it's getting a little dark. And then I found that in 1997, the Spice Girls were at number one on the UK album chart with their second album, Spice World, um, which of course was also the name of their film that was released that year as well. The album became a huge hit worldwide, lengthening the so-called Spice Mania fever at that time. There were four hit singles and the album has now sold over 20 million copies worldwide. So like, that's great news, right? Do they die? In, in the movie? I don't know. Soon. You never saw the movie? Yeah, I get, no, I never saw the movie, do they? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the good news, is, I guess. Um... Casey, what's your favorite Spice Girl? <laughs> I, I don't know if I can name any of them. Sporty Spice, is that one? That's one. Super can, I, can I just say, like, I know we haven't uh, introduced guests or anything yet, but I just want it on the record. Cameron Leach, what's your favorite Spice Girls song? Oh, yeah. I, I can't name one. I was, a, I was an NSYNC fan, so. 
Oh. Sorry. Bye, bye, bye. Hope that's all for today. We'll see you guys on the next episode. (laughs) Adios. There's more news. There's more news. Believe it or not, it it didn't peak at um, Spice Girls, actually. This is kind of significant and and interesting, too, in the the music business. Um, So on November 12th, this is even more recent, in 2014, there was an article that appeared in the New York Times titled, Chief Defends Spotify After Snub by Pop Star. So many of you probably remember um, a few years ago, Taylor Swift pulled all of her music from Spotify and she made a statement. I'm not willing to contribute my life's work to an experiment that I don't feel fairly compensates the writers, producers, artists, and creators of this music. Um, and of course, that year, she, she released the album 1989 and sold 1.3 million copies in the first week. So it didn't seem like she was really missing out by not being on Spotify. So the, the, the statement that the chief executive of Spotify, Daniel Ek, met, uh, made in this article was all the talk swirling around lately about how Spotify is making money on the backs of artists upsets me big time. Our whole reason for existence is to help fans find music and help artists connect with fans through a platform that protects them from piracy and pays them for their amazing work. So they're kind of saying this is great exposure for you, even if you don't make a whole lot of money. So just for some reference, in the first half of 2014, sales of CDs and downloads were down 14.6% compared with the same period in the previous year in 2013. That's according to the Recording Industry Association of America. And at the same time, streaming streaming services like Spotify, Pandora, and YouTube um, increased 28% in the US in the first half of 2014. So it's hard to deny what was happening um, then. So I was reading all this and thinking, are they doing any better now? Um, And what I found was in 2020, this is accurate as of August from digitalmusicnews.com, Spotify is paying most artists between $0.003, you know, a third of a penny and $0.005, one half of a penny per stream. Um, So not great, but Taylor Swift must have worked out a deal because she's on Spotify now. Do you know if that's the average payout or is that so, so like for all the people who get paid really poorly versus the people who get paid really well, is that the average? Do you know? That's what, what it said was most artists are within that range. And it said it depends on where you live and I'm sure like total number of streams and how popular your music is on the platform. It's very weird. You would think there should just be a rate per stream. Right. And so that to me probably sounds like it hasn't changed all that much. And I reported on this, I mean, it's probably a few years ago now on this show, but if you, if you really want to figure it out, well, look up um, how, I think it's called how people game Spotify as in how they like leech streams and it's, it's really complicated the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this this topic also came up in reference to Gordon Stout. Gordon's music was featured at the end of the TV show Weeds. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you what the amount was that he made, but it's like for, you know, a huge international show like that. Uh, I was the first Mexican dancers on it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like, he made nothing from it, basically. I mean, it was embarrassingly small, the amount they paid out for that. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I I like Spotify. It's so convenient. You can find almost anything you need. But, you know, uh, yeah, my conscience doesn't feel great about it. It's better than like Napster, I suppose. 
Um, all right. So also today, this will be in our next year's history, is that uh, the percussionists first gathered around this virtual campfire to talk about social media and its impact, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, of course. And our guests will uh, talk not only about how social media has impacted their career, but what kind of impact they have made through various platforms. Now, we have three wonderful guests, and I will start off with the one who's calling in from where it is already tomorrow and from one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Hong Kong. Uh, this guest is a very well-known soloist and chamber musician who has performed all over the world, literally Argentina, US, Japan, Korea, Australia, everywhere. And when I first saw him, I noticed that he has a superpower similar to Colin Curry's, which is that he never has to look down on his instrument while reading music. It's, it's insane. I don't know. He has like a separate pair of eyes on his hands. He's also a certified level one master knitter. And it's Matt Lau. Hi, Matt. Hello. What's up? I still remember the first time I met you. Like, we were, you were in a parking lot <laughs> FaceTiming someone. That sounded I, I, I really was bad. Like, oh, that, that's her. <laughs> no, she was excited to, I think you, you, you had just arrived Hong Kong maybe like two days prior yeah exactly you, there was all these lights all these buildings and you were because I, I saw you and I was like oh that's her should I go say hi she was in the middle of conversation I'm like, hey yeah yeah it was Open. it was a recital of a marimba recital of one of your students right yeah, yeah two three years ago no two years ago two years ago yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that was good times good times good times awesome I'm really looking forward to hearing all about your expertise in this field Matt um, all right, so to move on, our second guest has already been on the show. You know him as a rising star. He performs in solo, chamber, and orchestral settings. <laughs> um, this guest is a trailblazer. He has brought together more than 150 <clears throat> percussionists from around the world through his commissioning processes. He's an important advocate for contemporary music, having premiered about 40 new pieces in recent seasons, which is whew, a lot. Um, you might also know him from his podcasts and plural because he not only shares his candid approach to his career pursuit, which I really, really appreciate, but he will soon start a little bit of a differently themed podcast, which I hope we'll get to talk about. And everyone, please welcome Mr. Cameron Leach. Hey, hey. Uh, it's good to be back. Good to see familiar faces. And uh, yeah, I don't know any Spice Girl songs. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll talk about NSYNC some other time. <laughs> Wonderful to have you some back. Some other time. On, yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll invite you for a roundtable on NSYNC only. Um, wonderful. And our final guest is a composer, producer, and band leader from San Francisco, California, who mostly works in New York City. Her recent album, Azalea, has put her splendid work, I love this album, on the map. She holds many awards and nominations, including the 2020 Downbeat Critics Poll Award in the Rising Star Vibraphone category. She's both the first woman and at 21, the youngest individual in the poll's history to be granted the win, which is awesome. Um, she is also very important. Uh, the first person whom I have encountered who does things on Twitch, which made me want to go and check out Twitch. And I really want to learn more about it. So everyone, please welcome Sasha Berliner to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here in the presence of all these amazing musicians. Um, and it's funny because I just discontinued my Twitch because it doesn't seem to cater to us composer um, musician types as much as, you know, producers who may, you know, make a lot of money on Spotify or, you know, that sort of crowd. So, um, no, but Twitch is fun. 
that's another subject. No, oh, no, but we should definitely talk uh, about this. I think this is really interesting and your, your insight is going to be very valuable to our younger audiences, especially, I think. So I think that'd be, that'd be lovely. Um, I think all three of you have gotten as far as you have is because you were never afraid to try things and you have so many successes because you've tried a million things, just like uh, anyone else. So I, I think that's amazing. And I, I would love to, to talk about that twitch episode then and maybe you know thank you also sasha because then i don't have to have another social media to follow you on there um so i would like to start out uh by asking all of you how important has social media been in all your careers and we can go around um maybe start with matt again and go around the the virtual table sure it's brought me to a place i've never literally a, a country or a place and like a mental place where I've never been or I would not imagine me doing if it hadn't you know been for social media it's I am from I mean we're kind of the same age Cam's a little younger but I was from a Facebook well what was before Facebook MySpace MySpace remember, remember MySpace yes. oh my gosh that was MySpace I was Friendster MySpace Facebook it was really, it was really big, just be, you know, it was in the a career tools. It was just among friends and you check out, oh my God, he's in a relationship. But, you know, we, we actually do update our status daily, hourly because of yeah. that. But when I finished finishing grad school, I thought about, oh, there's all these social media. I joined Instagram rather late in the game. And I don't think I'm doing nearly enough compared to, you know, Cam, Sasha or some someone um, like, like Adam Tan, for example, but it changed my life slowly that it's kind of crazy to, see, like, to look back, the connections I've made, people have reached out to me, or even just random students or person that I would not have been connected to. And then when I get to that place, it's like, hey, I've been chatting to you for like a year. Um, I'm coming to this because I read that you're going to be in this town close to me. So I drove blah, 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 and to meet you. I'm like, oh, wait, hey, yeah, I remember that. That was... And it, it was like a random piece of advice that I gave them. Like one of the many things that they asked me is, how do you read music and play and not look down? <laughs> like that's one of the things that I got the most. And I said, huh, you know, that's just something you can practice just like everything else. If you suck at formal and playing, you, you, you practice ballad. If you suck at symphony, you practice symphony. If you suck at reading tiny notes, because I read everything, I don't memorize anything. I love to read extremely small Xerox page and you can practice that with this kind of lighting. And if my eyes are accustomed to that, same thing with reading while playing, while ha having, keeping sort of a peripheral vision and a direct sight line, it's the same thing. And that is the most fulfilling to me. It's not the concert I play or, or you know, whatever endorsement, whatever monetary thing that I get from them is I can touch people's life because of that. And when I was younger, there's no, none of those resources, like, you know, dial up, internet was our was the future remember yep <laughs> and the razor remember the razor phone that was the future stupid phone you can't do anything <laughs> like i remember going to grad school <laughs> not grad school undergrad i'd write a fax with my mom's hey i had a gold one <laughs> stupid he still phone. uses that this phone's rad i don't care what you say over uh, there Matt. this phone stupid phone <laughs> can't do anything i'd spend like what 25 minutes to compose like this meaty rain tone and that sound though you hear, you hear the sound that is satisfying though that clasp oh 
Yeah, no, I don't use this thing. That's all it's for. It's just... He'll write a piece for it soon. Sound effect, right? Yeah. For like a million razors. But yeah, that's that's most fulfilling to me. Like, uh, it's it's like what I I hope that when I was little, I I can just you know Google stuff so quickly and just get onto Instagram because a lot of this uh, uh, the younger folks now their first instinct is to go to Instagram and check this person out and see what they're doing, um, and just DM them and just like hey you know it was it wasn't available when when we were studying so. Um, that's really that. That's really something I am. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm really happy about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Cameron. How has social media changed your life and career? Well, I think um, at first it was it was a tool to get off the ground. I really hit the ground running hard in grad school, and that was four. Well, I graduated two and a half years ago, and now uh, I've definitely fallen off the wagon a little bit with it because it was sort of like this means to an end. And I mean, God, I, I can always do more. You can always do more and try to get more engagement, more followers, whatever. But um, it became sort of like a rat race for me. I feel like I'm not in a good headspace to even talk about social media right now because I kind of hate it. Uh, I feel like that's like a generic thing to say, but I really kind of hate it right now. Um, I think the one thing it's done for me more than anything, I can't say I've gotten more than like two or three gigs solely based on my social media. So like, if you want to talk about hard dollars, uh, the time was not worth it in terms of actual money, but you can never calculate, you know, kind of the reach that you're having. I think the one thing it's done for me is reevaluate who I am, especially in this pandemic. I had a chance to kind of step back and after all the George Floyd stuff uh, happened, uh, I think that was the end of May. I, I really just got off of social media almost entirely. I had a brief stint where I got back on I was in this competition and I wanted to show that I was active on social media, which was uh, kind of BS in that moment. But I did it anyways to try to show that I was out there doing this thing. Uh, but I stepped back and kind of just thought about like the fact that I had been sort of chasing the tail of the industry on social media. Like uh, as a classical soloist, you're supposed to be in this box and I wanted to do all the things in that box. Um, and it just wasn't true to what I want to do. Um, and, and so I've had a, a really good opportunity to like BS my way into social media, get on coast on that, and then figure out that it's not exactly who I am. Uh, and it's been sort of like an introspective, great experience. Um, and that's why I'm starting, like you kind of mentioned, I'm starting this whole whiskey YouTube channel because um, unfortunately for my liver, I, I really like whiskey. And that's been sort of my pandemic project is collecting <laughs> and, and tasting whiskeys and stuff like that. Um, so anyways, I'm starting this thing called Drums and Drams. It's super nerdy, but I'm excited about it. You know, it's like a different creative outlet so I can kind of get away from social media. And like my podcast is totally dead now. No more uh, when Project Percussion, when that comes to fruition in the next three to nine months, um, my podcast is going to move over there and it's going to be strictly business, strictly professional. So sorry for the, the story. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's really valuable. And I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that. There is the, it's sort of like a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword and people certainly can feel the thrill, but they can also feel how it can bog them down. And I think everyone can relate to the whole thing of like, oh, I quit social media. Oh, I'm back. And now yeah. it's helped me. So it's, it's totally okay. And I think it really helps to hear someone uh, like you uh, or like the three of you, you know, go, go through these stages and so on. Um, Sasha, what about you? How has social media impacted your career? Yeah, so I mean, I think like anyone else, you know, there are always pros and cons. Um, it's 
interesting to speak from sort of the improvised world or the sort of, I guess I'll put jazz in parentheses because I don't ever like to box in my music like that, but um, just music based on, you know, more improvisation than like reading or, um, you know, uh, through composed pieces and things like that. Um, it's a tricky thing to be able to show your full capacity on social media through even like a one minute video. And that's actually become a problem for a lot of musicians who have ended up hiring people based on social media merit or something like that. And then when it comes to being able to stretch out for a six minute solo or do a, you know, a, an hour long concert, they, they can't do it. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to create content for a video that's very short. Um, you know, one minute or even 30 seconds, it's very easy to sort of tailor yourself to make it, to make yourself, like, look good and, you know, feature the sort of best parts of yourself um, for anyone. But, you know, again, there are pros and cons to that. Um, on the other hand, you know, I think it's helped me in particular to get a international exposure. Um, it certainly hasn't been the only thing. Um, obviously, I, I distributed my album internationally in terms of streaming. It's accessible internationally. And so I have gotten opportunities through people just finding my record. But um, there are other occasions where I have been hired for gigs based on social media. And, um, you know, I, I always try to match like what I show on social media with who I am in person. Um, that's like a very important thing to me. I don't want to be known as an Instagram musician um, or someone who is, whose career is sort of built on making 30 second videos um, and little snippets because uh, at least in the sort of jazz world, you know, you'll never, you'll never have a gig that's like that in real life. Um, and it doesn't at all prepare you to, more importantly, play with other people and learn how to play with other musicians. And that might just be like a, an issue in terms of the uh, hindrances of the technological world where, you know, we're, it's more independent and things like that. But, you know, if you're constantly like just filming by yourself, like, you know, videos or photos, um, you know, perpetuating your brand and your sound that way then you might lose touch with like what what it's like to play with a band what it's like to build that synergy and that energy with a band that you know makes people want to see you live that makes audiences like go crazy that kind of thing so um anyways long story short um i have a mixed relationship with it i think it's good i think you know promotion wise i it, it frees people up to you know lose things like managers or uh, even booking agents, sometimes you can be your own sort of entrepreneur. You can, you know, it's a democratized platform. Anyone can use it. Anyone can see your content. And that's a really beautiful thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's not the end all be all of musicianship. You need to still, you know, know how to play live shows with live people. Um, and maybe that's just getting harder now because of coronavirus. But, you know, we'll, we'll come back around. <laughs> yeah soon enough yeah yeah there's a there's a question on facebook i think that relates to a lot to what's already been said our buddy alan lang submitted a little two-parter and um we, sasha you already mentioned uh stopping your twitter account and be, or your twitter, ch twitter channel i guess i don't really know much twitch about. twitch oh twitch oh no your social media damn it youtuber 
Twitch is for like video games, right? That's what I go to it yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. So you're like a StarCraft all-star, right, Sasha? <laughs> Minecraft all-star? No, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I totally meant I totally meant Twitch. I say that word so infrequently that I, I replaced it. Anyway, but he Alan wants to know favorite platform and why, and also I think more related to what we're we're talking about. And I think maybe this speaks to I think what Cam basically said is just burnout. You know, I mean, you get burnout on social media. But Alan wants to know: Do you feel posting something every day is more important to keep the interaction up? or post something once every, say, two weeks, but possibly because it's two weeks, it's of a higher quality. Uh, what, what, do you all, what do you all think about that? Cam, why don't you start? Sure. Oh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I did some mic adjustments, sorry. It sounds, uh, it sounds good to me. Okay, cool. Um, I think, you know, when you're starting out, you, you kind of have to keep that engagement up. You kind of have to go every day. Um, but eventually, I think, you know, you get to a point where you, you don't really have much to say because maybe you don't do something for a week and you can still show what it is you're doing, depending on how you want your your what a timeline or your grid to look um, as long as the things kind of match up. But one thing I've always felt uncomfortable with is trying to act like I'm doing something when I'm not, you know, and, and so like the the further I go along and the longer I've had my Instagram, uh, which is where I'm primarily active the more I just sort of post when things are happening. Uh, and I think that's that's more like feasible for, for me and my schedule now. But I do love it when you can post every day or, or on a regular schedule, whether that's every other day. Um, I think it just like depends on your goals. If you're trying to build followers though, you pretty much have to post on some sort of consistent schedule, I think. Yeah, anybody else? What do you think of that, Matt? Yeah, um, my primary platform is also um, Instagram. I used to use, I mean, again, I'm from an era of Facebook. So I started on Facebook, but I realized it's not reaching out to, you know, as many people as I could. Um, and I switched to Instagram from, if you scroll down to like my later grad school day, it's like very personal, you know, with my travels, my food, whatever. Um, and I started to post every day, like what Cam said, to drive up engagement, to get the word out there, like who I am. And because I, I think, out of all three, I play the weirdest music like to audience. A lot, I think a lot of the younger um, folks, the majority of the of, of the Instagrammer, um, they're more comfortable listening to you know the three seconds or five second snippet of what Cam posts or Sasha posts. But what I post, I have to be carefully selected of that one crazy Don Antonio piece or Manuel Manuel Lo, Lopez Lopez piece that it's interesting enough with the right caption to because my goal is always to like make contemporary music very accessible and easily understood so i do feel really burned out if i post every day i experiment with that a little bit but after that engagement had been driven up you know if you if you take a break for like a month um i i did a month break um back in july and i'm still on break right now today is my restarting day because concerts starting to pick up here in hong kong um so me, me and my team and my group which you know, we're trying to post up every day again to, to drive up engagement and see like we're doing something when we, you know, we're making some noise. Um, but like, like, like Cam said, like if you're Beyonce or if you're, if you're Kim, if you're Paris, you can just post once a month about your burrito and you, you know, you shit in bed. That's fine. And you will still get a million views or likes, you know, 
for us, if you put like a sort of Saturday, a tank top practicing photo carefully, carefully like, uh, you know, phase tune and, you know, muscle tune and like, oh, uh, you know, just taking care of my body and like practicing <laughs> and it just a little mirror in the back, just, you know, a little booty second. No one's going to like it still because you don't do it every day or that's not your image or that's not what you do. But you, you, you get my, you get my idea that, that, that's, um, it's really important to build brand, I think. So to post every day to have that in your face have that on the explorer page um it's really useful i think that's that's awesome that's how we know that casey obviously is one of the strongest youtubers out there and he actually launched his career through his oily muscly photos that you must look up on our instagram um, they're all I, there <laughs> if i if i can say it i won't i won't name the famous percussionist that said this but when casey was getting started up kind of like 2010 ish something like that uh, I heard a very famous percussionist describe him as the Justin Bieber of percussion. Um, and I'm not making that up, but I mean, he got his start on YouTube and Go it to hell. carried. Straight to hell. And uh, <laughs> I'll put in the chat who that was. And Casey, you just posted like a, like a video from 2007 today, right? That was like old Casey with long hair. Oh, a little score follow video. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an easy, that's an easy way to, I don't know. Yeah, just, uh, I'm trying to be more active on Instagram. The goal of that one was Instagram and I couldn't, um, I actually couldn't get that video on Instagram for some reason, but uh, like technical things. Yeah. But did you see my De La Clues video? My I did. Very that's impressive. I mean, first of all, just to Thank know you. all 12 De La Clues, Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so can we just go around the room very quickly? And uh, I think we've realized that Matt and Cameron said that they primarily um, work on Instagram, but Sasha, I guess, does too. Is that the platform that you found works the best for musicians? Um, no. Yeah, I think Inst Instagram is like the platform, probably. Um, Twitter doesn't seem as beneficial, I guess, for musicians, maybe for like political pundits, it's better. <laughs> Uh, Facebook is fine. That's kind of like for the old guard, um, for the presenters, like the, the orchestras you're kind of appealing to on Facebook. And then, you know, the people who are actually going to come to your shows, you know, all 30 of them that are going to be at your recitals, uh, <laughs> they're going to be on Instagram. <laughs> so it's all, it's all age demographic, right? Like it's like Facebook older, Instagram a little younger, and then the TikToks and the, and the Twitchies and stuff like that right yeah yeah we we think yeah, so i think so yeah yeah um sasha can you tell us a little bit about your experience with uh twitch then what what did you find i spoke to some of my students about it because some of my students uh i guess stream their live drum set playing and they say they can make a little bit of money off of that and they gave me their own version of how people can succeed on twitch um, but i'd like to know what you thought um what was your experience like yeah so um Initially, I wanted to try Twitch because I was told that the, the streaming quality is uh, nicer than Instagram and, uh, you know, it's really a site that's built for people who want to stream video and media. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I had a couple of people be like, yeah, it's a really easy platform to use. It's fun. You can make money from it. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll try it. Um, and I think the issue was more that um, it, it's just a platform that's more 
uh, catered towards like producer types and people who you know like when it comes to streaming i feel like there's a lot of sort of audio visual activity um you know like you've got to have music playing in the background or like you know multiple shots and like a bunch of embellishing and then like oh how many people donated how many like bits or you know how many cheers have you gotten and then there's like competitions between cheers and like all these little extra things like it's very uh you know sort of stimulating and engaging and i guess that wasn't that's not really my style um and i think that people who come onto twitch are looking for stuff like that so it's definitely a different crowd and i noticed that like on something like Instagram Live or even Facebook Live, I do way better than Twitch. Um, again, the nice thing about Twitch is, yes, I made a little bit of money, nothing crazy. Um, but Twitch also takes like 50% of, uh, you know, money from subscribers, which is a lot. At least, I don't know if maybe that changes in the future, but um, that's how it was for me. So, you know, that, that was kind of a bummer. Um, and I, I felt like I had more success getting donations on Instagram Live than I did from Twitch. And Twitch is like a lot of investment as well in terms of nice audio, nice video. You got to get a nice webcam. You got to have a, you know, make sure all your gear is always working and set up. Some people, um, you know, like need faster uh, internet to sort of deal with all this processing. Um, since streaming picks up like a lot of RAM on your computer um, and you need to have really speedy Wi-Fi and stuff like that, that's an investment. If you want a gamer screen, then like, oh, do you get like a display screen? Do you get a nicer computer? Like there's so many things and it's like really an investment if you really want to go all the way there with it. But it just didn't feel like me. And I think for my crowd and my audience, it's not right. Um, I, I think I should just tap into where I'm more successful in terms of social media, like music streaming. But yeah, I mean, Instagram is like my social media of choice. I think because you have videos and photos and comments and things like that, um, the sort of multimedia experience. But Twitch, I, I mean, sorry, not Twitch. Twitter is kind of my, uh, for lack of a better term, like my shit show social media where I just <laughs> kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> and I promote shows occasionally, but you know, if you have like late night thoughts at 2 a.m., then you can share them to Twitter. But I think Instagram would not be as receptive to that. So, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> I never but, got into TikTok. I know I'm, you know, on the younger side here, but uh, well, that's for I, dancers, right? So that's mostly a dance platform, from what we understand. Even though you could, of course, do other things. I started seeing more musicians going on it, and I was like. I'm not trying to play behind some beats or something like I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to get like famous from like a 15 second rendition of like a popular song or something. I don't know. It just it's not me, but more power to you if you like it. I have this coordination exercise and easiest way to show it is if you uh, like you, you do a triangle with this hand, right? Like three and then you do a square in the other hand, right? So you're, you know, you're doing three against four in a, in a, a, a mixed meter, right? And um, a colleague sent me a video to TikTok and there's all these kids doing it. My name is nowhere in it. And uh, they're doing it to like pop music 
and they, they make their own shapes, um, which are not mine, but they go in the same order that my original exercise went in a lot of them. So somehow that got onto, got onto TikTok, which I thought was really funny. Sue them for plagiarism, all those 13 year olds. Oh yeah. Any other, any other opinion on like length versus frequency? I know I've got my, my own opinions on that. I mean, I think, I think, it ha I mean, just personally, I think it has to have an ebb and flow with your own workflow. I mean, if you're, if you're working on a very lengthy, substantial project for the effort, like Sasha was describing, like, Hey, we have to actually do like real practice and we have to actually work on tough things. And if Cameron's working on a concerto, cause he's going to go play with a symphony orchestra. Yeah. He needs to do like traditional serious practice. So maybe that would be the type of thing uh, in, in answer to Alan's question. That would be the type of thing that, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to post every two weeks. You know, when we got like a real impressive chunk of this done, cool post every two weeks or something. I, I feel like it, it, that's the only realistic way to, to do it. Well, I had, I had a question to sort of follow that up and I'll address it specifically to, to Cameron, but Sasha and Matt, if you have things to add, please do. Uh, I remember Cameron a while back was talking about, he said like when I first started doing this, like I felt like I had to like post every day about like the latest, greatest concerto I was playing and all. And he said like at the same rate, like I was fresh out of grad school and it was it was almost lying to say that like, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, Paris today to play a concert or something like that. And Cameron has talked a lot about like honesty on social media. And yes, you want to broadcast that you're playing a concerto with Dallas Wins, but also some days you're just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, so Cameron, can you talk about your opinions on the role of honesty in social media where you're trying to promote yourself, but also paint an accurate picture of who you are? Yeah. Um, gosh. I mean, you kind of said it, right? I mean, you, you go out and you do things and then you're home for a week and you're sitting on the couch eating a bowl of ice cream watching Netflix and I think I think what honesty has done for me more than anything I kind of talked about it earlier in the sense that um I just I I don't want to act like I'm doing something when I'm not but I think what honesty is doing for me now is like it's it's allowed me to to want privacy I guess like I I used to put everything out there even if I was sitting on the couch eating that bowl of ice cream I would I would talk about it and now I'm like I don't really want people to know what I'm doing today. And I don't want to post a story, even though that's temporary for 24 hours and it's going to go away. Um, I'm just, I'm just kind of sick of like broadcasting my life. Uh, and, and the other thing too, is like when you go through these hardcore periods of being on social and you get like a lot of DMS, you know, some days it's two and some days it'll be 50, 60 DMS, depending on what you post. And it's not sustainable to answer all that anymore. Um, and I only have seven, thousand or whatever on Instagram that's nothing you know these people that have hundreds of thousands I can't imagine what that must be like and and so like I I don't know how to address that do I come out and say like I'm so sorry I'm not going to answer everybody or do I just not answer people um, I don't know but I think honesty at this point by going through that sort of phase has allowed me to look for privacy like I kind of gave myself permission to start claiming my reclaiming my privacy a little bit online and that's why I'm getting a little more disillusioned by social media is like, it seems like everybody wants your time. And there's only so many, you have like a hundred tokens you can give out per day and you have to distribute those very well, or you're, you're not going to be productive. I mean, it will kill your productivity in the end. I think, um, and, and I'm definitely not an expert on this and I do not have that kind of following on Instagram, but I, I think that's the cost of, um, of any business growing 
it's just called spillage. Like if you're publishing, for instance, the more you print, the more you ship, the more accidents are going to happen just because there's more stuff ebbing and flowing, right? Like the more stuff you're shipping out, so the more likely a package is going to get lost. So regarding, yeah, everyone answering you, I think you do what you have time for and what you have the stomach for. You know, of course the answer is... Yeah, great. If you can respond to everyone, cool. But if it's at the expense of you burning out or even just saying, no, enough's enough and not wanting to do it, then you don't have to. And yeah, occasionally there'll be a person who thinks you're a uh, diva because uh, you wouldn't respond and is insulted. But that's just the cost of any business, any expansion. Like there's going to be more things spilled as you, uh, you know, m move things around more. Just my opinion. Um, I think that's really interesting. And actually, I was going to ask about that before we move on to the topic. But uh, I was wondering if the rest of you ever worry about um, oversharing. Um, I certainly have noticed in my own very modest uh, interactions on social media is that people seem to be sort of a, either really interested in the top, really fancy stuff in my own, again, category that I do, or stuff that's like, extremely personal um you know like people are much more interested in oh man what's your breakfast routine or whatever morning skincare routine than than anything else and i always felt i mean that that wasn't for me but i've noticed that that gets a lot more engagement than than just hey let's talk about something virtuous and you know beautiful um what sasha and matt what do you think about that <laughs> shut up ben <laughs> in the chat um it's like half and half for me. Like I, like when I was touring the most um, last summer and doing breaks, I would sort of plan out my social media sort of campaign. Like, oh, I'm going to do it every day. Every Monday, I'm going to do one topic. Every Tuesday, I'm going to do one thing. Every Wednesday, it's going to be a live update of what I'm working on. Um, when you know it's leading up my actual trip, I, I would do everyday update on real timing. Like, oh, I'm practicing this. I'm packing. I'm doing all this shit. I'm you know, my skincare routine on my plane, like what should I do? Gotta get me moisturized, gonna use the ring finger because this is the less pressure. Uh, <laughs> under the, the, the eyes, gotta moisturize, you know, I have very sensitive skin, you know, gotta patch somewhere. So I gotta be very careful with, with, with my skin and stress and gotta look good, right? And on the plane, no less. Um, and people are responding to that more positive than like what I'm playing, like what you said. Um, but because I've been doing my music and they've been knowing me through my music on Instagram, this is like a byproduct. Um, I, I've been very private on, on, on Instagram. And then lately, I don't maybe last three months or so, six months. Um, I think I'm more outspoken because one thing that I wanted to do here, this is a fairly new thing to me um, in Hong Kong. I mean, everybody's really sort of, private and they are emotionally deprived and they're so reserved and they're not they're, they're, they're not like you know when you're in, in in thailand or in vietnam or in china where they're even more reserved but as a gay musician who is extremely outspoken i'm not trying to hide anything if you met me in person i sound exactly the same i'm not gonna be like, hey man what's up you know Matt. that's not who i am like i, I teach the same way I'm, it's the same way um and i think that's how I got to where I am with my students. I communicate with students, with colleagues, with you know anyone who wanted to work with me. It, it's it's fun. Um, 
hearts to you. But yeah, um, what was I going to do? I also forgot. Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to do is just to be more outspoken because a lot of this, uh, the, the kids and the younger folks here, um, they're always, always not out. And they, I talked to them privately and they, they told me verbatim, it's okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to lie to myself for all my life. That's just life. I said, that's not how it goes. Um, and that's something that I slowly discover if I'm more outspoken about it, if I can reach to more either parents or the actual student about it. And, and they, that might change in the long run. Um, and, you know, with equality all over the world, <clears throat> I do have some kids coming to me like, oh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate you. I was spoken about about your life and how I should come about doing it and now got me thinking like oh maybe I should really do it and I should be true to who I am um so I'm kind of sort of finding a balance like how do I not sh overshare too much um but still share like a sort of a, a vulnerable side to them like I'm still a person I still wake up I still drink my coffee I still poop every morning clockwork after my oatmeal that's what I do it, and they really respond to that, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, clockwork. <laughs> so the secret to a successful Instagram account is post your pooping schedule, people. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, but I think- Pretty, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Gotta look at your poop, you know? It tells you a lot of stuff. Is it like a nice sort of soft serve serve ice cream sort of, you know, that sort of swirl? It's, no, it, th th this is the thing I asked my doctor. Um, what you what you eat and the shape and the color and i'm serious this is this is it gives you you know you're right i'm super regular i'm really healthy that way i'm i really really like taking care of my body because i'm getting older you know anyway i digress <laughs> no yeah. whatever matt posts on social media about his health care routine and skincare routine trust me he looks like a porcelain doll in real life so whatever he does follow that because you'll look like you're negative <laughs> 11 years old that's how that works um sasha can you please tell us what what do you think about this yeah um i think it's it's sort of whatever people are comfortable with in terms of if they want to be take their you know social media to a super personal route or not i think it's just whatever anyone's comfortable with I used to be really, um, I used to be way more personal on Instagram than I am now. Um, I just think there are some things that not everybody needs to know. And I like, you know, having my sort of social media presence be separate from like my real life. I think it's important to maintain a, a, a separation um, and sort of a self-integrity of like, oh, my life does not have to completely match, you know, what I present on social media, because social media is not my life. Um, and it's never going to be, it's never going to, you know, showcase all the, all the same things that I know and that I experience and that I go through. Um, and that's sort of something you get to like hold, you know, within yourself at the same time, um, sort of like Matt's story about coming out, like, uh, being personal can also really inspire, um, you know, a lot of folks to, like you even more if you have like occasional personal anecdotes and things like that um i think there's a way to do it i think you know maybe some people want to like hit hit people over the head with personal details i i think it's more effective if it's sort of meaningful and occasional um 
I, I guess for me, I, it's not something I shared on, so, on Instagram as much as I did in my own personal writing or my blog posts. Um, and so I had a lot of like young women come to me about dealing with sexual harassment in jazz and how to deal with, um, you know, I don't know, manipulative authority figures, teachers who were, you know, predatory. Do I go forward with a case or not? And feeling inspired and protected by someone like me is, is makes me feel really special. Um, you know, regardless of what I think about myself or my playing or my career, like those things are such redeeming moments, I feel like. And that's when like oversharing, you know, or I wouldn't call it oversharing, but you know, sharing something very deep and personal becomes more than just something you're sharing. It's other people's stories too. Um, and I think in that sense, it can be unifying and it actually can make people like you as an artist more because they understand more about where you came from and what you've been through and what you've dealt with. So I think in that sense, you know, it is, it's a wonderful thing, but, you know, I think there is a line that can be drawn and I certainly do not share everything and I'm intended to be that way. Yeah. Well, and on, you know, and also the small fact that you're doing a great service to the world by reminding everyone, you know, of struggles that happen, of um, um, diversity that's out there. So, yeah, I mean, let's also keep in mind the goal isn't just to get followers or get your career. You know, this is also actually like a, a really good thing that the three of you are doing uh, for the world, each that you've each described in a different way. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, so I had a little topic uh, for us to discuss, and it, it very much relates to to social media for musicians. But um, this article that I found was actually about dancers, and here I'm going to summarize um, it very quickly. Um, so it's an article that came out in Dance Magazine last year, and the title is um, "Has Influencer Culture Affected How Dancers Are Hired?" And basically, it starts off with, with this uh, New York City-based choreographer and director, Jennifer Weber saying that she once worked on a project with a strict social media policy that said hire no one with less than 10,000 followers, period. And that was a few years ago. 10K is not enough now. And she thinks that it is something that will be asked uh, for on dancers' resumes soon. Um, and it is already part of standard company forms. And I too, when I, for example, signed my endorsement deal, um, besides your personal information, it asks for your presence, uh, like website and so on, and then your social media presence, and I believe number of followers. Um, and so the, the article keeps going, and it says, you know, the Washington Ballet, for example, um, at that time, they had 30,000 followers on Instagram, but a company member uh, had about 5,000 more, and the artistic director had more than double. So the question then becomes, who is responsible for the company's image? Because less and less people will, you know, tune into a TV station and where are you going to watch ballet on television, really? But they're going to go on Instagram. And if the single person has more reach than the ballet company, then how, how do we address that? Um, and then there was this interesting quote from the LA-based hip-hop artist, Kaylin Harris, who said that there are people who work like crazy but are at a disadvantage because they have not cultivated a large audience online. And uh, Kaylin said, you can be the best dancer in the world, but if you don't have a K in your following, you're not going to get hired. And in the end, Jennifer Weber, this uh, choreographer and director from the beginning of the article, um, 
says that she has seen uh, a performer's contract stipulate a minimum number of posts, and that's baked into their total fee. Um, she also says that she would not be the one to get a job if the job requires, say, half a million followers, uh, but that also she doesn't plan on spending her whole life on social media. However, she did say that uh, were she a graduating student now today, she would certainly have to plan out her career differently. Now, I don't have that much insight into this besides this conversation about uh, endorsement, I am wondering from, because all of you have different uh, areas of influence and of your career pursuits, uh, maybe let's start with um, Cameron, because he's done some things that certainly require, or he's definitely in the spotlight as a concerto performer, and there's ticket buying and so on. How has this been a part of the conversation? Have numbers ever come up? Is it really that important? Can you tell something to our young listeners who are thinking about this? Well, I mean, you know, on this side of things, I feel like I feel like I'll say my piece real quick, but Sasha can probably speak to this better because in our market, I mean, how many classical performers do you see that have a K in their follower list? It's a pretty niche market. So um, I, th I mean, gosh, for a while I was like feeling like, oh, man, I'm really killing. I got 7000, you know, um, and now, of course, like Joshua Bell or some of these other people that are like, you know, Yo, yo, ma. I don't even know if he has Instagram. If he does, he's got a lot of followers. People that have crossed the pop culture barrier might be a different story, but like in any negotiations on orchestra contracts, the numbers have never come up. Uh, it's an interesting point you make about how uh, the face of of like a dance company or someone might actually be the the performers within the group and not the the group itself online because they tend to not be good at social media, like yeah. most of those organizations. Uh, because they're just institutionalized and propped up by public funding anyways. They don't really need that um, because they've, they're such a local presence. But I don't think it's ever come up in anything that I've done necessarily. Um, I have been asked on, like you say, endorsement sheets. But I can't think of a time where that's going to matter in my career until, like I have some ideas and plans to collaborate with pop artists or whatever. Uh, and maybe that would come into play then. But I don't know. I think Sasha's probably on that side of the business more than any any of us tell us sasha what's your experience been i'm curious what you mean by that cat interception <laughs> um, yeah uh, i mean i don't know i mean i guess like it just seems like in in more like uh, improvised musical context or even pop music or anything there's more of an opportunity to have a bigger following because like as a classical musician i feel like we're just kind of we're so pigeonholed maybe, but I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe we just feel like the victims. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's true. I think like in general, if you, if you meet like a, a jazz musician of sorts who, um, and if you sort of connect the dots, like, Oh, a jazz musician who is pretty well known has been, you know, working for a long time who, I don't know, maybe has like a couple Grammy nominations under their belt or something like they almost always have like, between 10 and 20,000 followers. Um, so I think when once you see it hits that, that like 10K mark, then people are like, oh, wow, this person's a real deal. Or I know like blue check marks are everything. Like everyone's always trying to get verified. Like it, it, if you're, you know, like verified, it's like, oh, you know, this person is like official enough to be able to get verified. Like that, that must really mean something. They're like on a another sort of hierarchy beyond you know the rest of us normal people <laughs> and, um and yeah so i think that's kind of a thing i mean yeah it definitely 
um, in terms of endorsement stuff, I remember, I think it depends on the uh, company. I don't think Marimba One asked me about uh, Instagram following, but they're also a smaller company. And of course, Vader did ask me, you know, about my following and everything. And I've done a lot of stuff for them on social media, like takeovers on Vader's Instagram, which is already interesting because it's a predominantly like either a rock drummer market or a marching band market. Um, you know, there's hardly any jazz musicians. So I, I get all these questions that uh, don't really speak to my experience on there, which is hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have watched that movie, um, The Social Dilemma. Um, yep. But basically on the impact of social media and how it's sort of changed our social behavior permanently and in ways that are, you know, you know, emotionally um, frustrating, depressing, things like that. Like we're, as human beings, we're not meant to uh, know, you know, or be, be on watch for everyone's approval or lack of approval of us 100% of the time. And now social media has created that. Um, and that kind of thing, I think, goes into the music industry in terms of, oh, who is, um, you know, a good musician or who is, you know, not a good, you know, it, like, are they, you know, are people, you know, commenting like crazy on their stuff on Instagram? If they don't get a lot of comments, it's like, oh, like, maybe they're not that good or something like that. Um, and I think that sort of goes into, like, playing videos as well. Like, if you post a video and you don't get as many comments and you're like, what did I do wrong? Like, what, you know, I, you know, I didn't play this part right, I didn't play well enough, you know, that kind of thing, when it, it could be related to so many different things, whether it's a viewer's insecurity, whether it's someone is just getting up in the morning and they're just scrolling through, they're not really looking, like, um, maybe someone is, I don't know, like, there's, there's so many reasons why people react the way that they do. Um, on social media, and yet we are so programmed to be, like, preoccupied with what that reaction is or isn't, and um, I think I've seen that come into the jazz world now, and then we see folks who improvise uh, more like they're trying to prove something, like they're trying to get that approval, and it comes across as dishonest, in my opinion, and some people call it, like, uh, masturbatory playing, because it's, like, here's everything I can do, like, uh, and sort of alpha, alpha male too is definitely something that it's been labeled as, and that sort of contributed to sexism a little bit in the industry. That's a whole nother conversation, but um, anyways, yeah, I definitely think it's affected the dynamic um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of different ways this conversation can go, so um but yeah carly you had something yeah i don't know if anybody else had this thought as they were reading this article uh, you know and i don't know what kind of jobs in the dance world these are if these are like one-off gigs or long-term contracts or anything like this but I, I just couldn't help but think these jobs are asking the dancers themselves to be ambassadors for their projects and to advertise for their projects and in in you know the freelance music world it made me think like what if orchestras suddenly wanted to hire, you know, the percussionists with the most followers because they're going to bring in ticket sales. And would that be, 
you know, would that be wrong to ask or would that be a fair thing? And, you know, where does, where does the balance end? Um, that's what I thought. It's, it's asking too much of the performer in some ways, like, oh, also you need to advertise for this thing we're going to put on personally. But that's that's actually what Cameron sort of talked about on social media. Uh, that's the conversation that I, I saw on social media, which is, you know, now that things are slowly reopening during COVID, all arts institutions or all performing arts institutions are going to hire the high banking folks who are going to bring in audiences because it's so limited uh, with numbers and they have to do ticket sales. So the first person who's going to get a gig is Yu Zhuang. Yes, she is fantastic, but also she will bring in the 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 money. Is that uh, it's probably not based solely on Instagram following, but it is based on her field of influence. So I think that's um, that was a good topic, Cameron. That was a good candid topic right there. Thank you. <laughs> He's so disillusioned. <laughs> that uh, that post was that post went places that it shouldn't have went in the comment section. So I left it alone. Oh really? I did not see. I just oh. oh. I was like, I'm gonna write this big long post on social media, and of course, the minute it happens, I'm like, why did I do that? Like, I almost immediately <laughs> deleted it and just bailed, you know? Like, but I left it up. I left it up. A playground for the rest of us to be in. <laughs> well, you know what Carly was saying. The the teaching the summer festival teaching version of the same thing is hey, please come to Germany and congratulations because this is such a big thing and you're so lucky to be able to do this and we're such a big deal. Oh, by the way, we'll pay you based on how many students uh, come uh, to, to see you. So we see you have this many students or so, or your school is this big or whatever. Please bring a lot of your students. Like, what? what why would I bring my students who study with me every week to to get, like if they want to go to Germany great they need to just go and leave me behind and they need to go if I'm going to bring them there they're going to go to study with everybody else you know that they're the one person they're not going to study with is me uh, scam it's a scam um yeah so we have a, a fa an Instagram question sorry from our supporter uh one of our Patreon supporters Jade Hales our friend and Jade asks he says I find myself starting over and creating social medias for a lot of various projects that I do is this wise to separate my solo account should I cross promote or focus on one space and I have a follow-up for you all too because this is kind of like learning the ins and outs of social media do's and don'ts and I I, I want to know personally like was everything on social media did it come did you figure these kinds of things out kind of naturally or you know, did you do some research or ask people or what was that process of learning how to use social media? So let, yeah, Matt, go ahead. A lot of, a lot of the time is trial and error to, for, for me because um, like cams that our industry's classical percussion circles so small, we could also check out, you know, a competition, what they're doing and, and how they post stuff. But it's not, to me, it's not very um, useful to later on in the game when everybody's sort of Instagramming. Um, you know, Google is your best friend. Um, look on, I, I do look on to a lot of drag queens now because they do a lot of the same thing that we do because a, a lot of them don't have agents or when, if they don't do have agents, they do a lot of self-promoting and a lot of them is like a mixed, um, a mixture of their personal life and their live on tour and their gigs and their, um, their merch and, and, and whatever. Um, what was the first question? Yeah, Jay's wondering, is it, he says he finds himself creating different social media accounts for different projects. And he's wondering, is it better to keep everything in one place, like personal account, or to have 
you know, everything kind of divided up? I think, okay, personally, I think if you don't have, well, let's say 10K or 5K or whatever, I think it's okay to keep it in the same account because it's, it gets a little um, distracted. Um, some like you know some uh, I saw some student one of my students studying in Boston one of his friends in the studio has like four accounts one personal account one personal practice account one personal practice marine by account one personal practice drum account and there's like a food account wow <laughs> um yeah seniors I'm like wow this dedication but none of them is really like invested in it's kind of sort of half-ass so I think at that point it would be better to 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 just put keep everything in one account. Um, like I said, drag queens, uh, you know, any singers you, you follow, I think that's a good sort of reference. Um, but singers are, are pop culture, they have agents and they have a team of publicists and the people managing them. The, so I think it's a little different um, in, in terms of numbers and their life. It's a lot different than, than, than the musicians. I know it's a little bit different than jazz for because a lot of them um, do have sort of pop star status. So, um, so this is strictly for sort of classical percussion side. Yeah, and I'll add to that too. I mean, you kind of mentioned 10K as some, some sort of benchmark. I mean, I just think it becomes unsustainable, like you're saying, when you have all these accounts. Even for, um, I don't know, like when I started my podcast, I was like, oh, should that, should that have its own account? The answer is a resounding no, um, because there would be like 200 followers, 300 followers at best on that, especially based on the market that we're in. And then to try to sustain something like that, and if you want to have any sort of um, frequency, <laughs> frequencies and uh, frequency in your post. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by the chat. I need to not look down. Um, if you want to have any sort of frequency in your posts on that other page, you're going to be working double time, triple time. So I think like if you have a quartet, it's one thing, you know, you should probably split that off. It makes a lot of sense to me, but, um, I don't know, like this whiskey thing I'm trying to do. I, I started putting that on my personal channel for the last few months here and there and sprinkling it in. And then I realized I really want to take this step and make it its own thing. And that wouldn't really make sense to live on my personal channel, uh, even though I don't necessarily have 10K. But it's just such a different market that I'm going to be hitting there. So, But I think keep it as, as together as you possibly can. Uh, people are more interested in seeing the conglomerate of who you are and all of your different projects, I think, than trying to split them off and, and splinter your audience. I was going to say, Jade, I, I think it takes a really long time to get any traction on any of this. Um, I think this podcast, for instance, is a good example. You know, I started it a long time ago and I mean, this is like year five and it was only now where I thought like, huh, maybe we should make a, you know, Patreon account. I don't know. I don't think we'll make any money, but let's just see. Maybe we'll do that. That might be motivating. And yeah, it turned, I, I don't think it would have, it, it has to have a following first. And I mean, I think it just, a lot of people can't stick with it long enough to see the results. I think a lot of people start something and they go, hmm, this isn't working. I'm going to change the format. I'm going to change the platform. I'm gonna, I mean, you do that with, when you're writing a piece of music. It's like, oh, I can't get past this, you know, this section or whatever. And then they quit. And they're like, maybe that's because the piece isn't that good. It's like, no, 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 the piece is fine. You just got to keep doing it. It's just hard to finish. Um, I feel like all these platforms, it's the same sort of thing. None of them are just the magic answer. Um, yeah, I mean, they all take a really, really long time to, to, to gather uh, traction and to work, you know, so I, I just, I wouldn't sweat it. You know, I agree with Cameron, I just put it all in, your sa in the same place. 
and uh, and just keep at it and and don't don't do it because you're looking for returns on it yet. Do it because you're just doing it. You know, do it because you want to do it. I do think there's an exception if like if I were to say to start a knitting account about my knitting, my knitting technique, my project, that would have to be separated because uh, you know my audience who follow my my journey, my 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 music career, whatever, they might not necessarily be knitters or the same people who are sure. knitting. Um, there might be a musician who like, oh, he's knitting, maybe I should get into it. But that's like a, a fraction. But if you're doing like another professional knitting account or whatever, your hobby account, I think that should be separated. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Something that's a big world apart, sure. It only works for Casey. He can post about squirrels and cats and whatever, and everyone loves everything. Everyone mm -hmm. thinks he's really funny. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're suckers. Definitely. If anyone hasn't checked it out already, check out Casey's recording of all 12 De La Cluse Etudes. It's the complete, Ben. The, the complete. complete, yeah. De La Cluse uh, puts, puts Rob and Opera to shame for sure. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Try again, Rob. A... <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Back to the New World Center. Um, well, we had a, a question on Instagram from Brendan Arve, uh, and he aimed it specifically at Cameron, but I think it would be appropriate for all of our our guests, um, but, and I think I'm the one to ask this question because I'll preface this by saying, I don't, I, I don't think this social media stuff is stupid, but uh, Brandon says, what do you say to percussionists that say social media is stupid and a waste of time? Um, and I just want to preface it by saying that I don't think it's stupid. I think promoting yourself is very valuable, but at the same rate, I have never taken the time other than just having a personal Facebook account. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter oh. or anything like that. Um, and so maybe a better way of framing it is what, what am I missing out on? So wait, I have to interrupt real quick because Brandon might be referencing a conversation. He, I, and I think actually Cameron, I think you were there. We were talking about social media at PASIC once. And I said, yeah, but like social media, like is stupid. Like, come on, it's totally stupid. But yeah, like I agree, you do have to do it. I mean, it is important, but a lot of important things are stupid. Like South Park's really stupid, but it's important that you like enjoy something and that you, yeah, it's like, yeah, to say something is uh, just because something's silly um, and like actually itself on its own doesn't matter. Yeah, but like you do need to do it because it will, uh, it invests you um, um, help in things that other things that do matter. Sorry, that was messy, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That might be what he's talking about. I hope so. So anyway, so I what am I missing out on is my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me, let me just say, I'm really, Brandon and I are good friends. We talk on the phone many times a week. I drive down to Lexington, we hang out, but he loves to, <laughs> he loves to fan the flames a little bit. And I know I can say this, right. And, and I love it because it, it actually sparks really good conversation with a lot of these different things. Um, and so I think like Casey, maybe he is talking about that conversation. I don't know. Uh, I don't know this particular, this particular question or whatever. He didn't tell me that he asked this, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think you don't need social media if you're going to be an orchestral musician. Like if you're really going to go for a job, you don't need it. But like, I don't, I don't see a world where you other than that or some sort of really strict regimented path that you that you're not going to use social media. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It depends on your goals, I guess, but by and large, you, I feel like you kind of need to have some sort of professional presence in the world because if you don't, the market's not going to know anything about you. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way the world is now. You kind of have to roll with the punches um, like they did a hundred years ago with whatever kind of advertising they were doing then. So 
I mean, I yeah, don't it's know. Like this, I mean, you don't have to be a professional this, at it. It's this stupid thing you got to do. I mean, there's a hundred stupid things you got to do every day. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I, I do it so much. It's done so much for me, but I also like, that's why I also have fun with it at the same time, you know, like having fun with it and just like, Hey, this is like a stupid thing. And that that's my approach to it. Um, I think it's important though that like I love that you say that too that it's because I think it's stupid and I I like that we can have different <laughs> levels of value that we place on social media. The problem is when people get on social media and they're sort of the militant whatever and whatever we're talking about music politics it doesn't matter. It's like some people value social media differently. So like for someone who thinks it's just inherently stupid but participates anyways, don't expect that person to not troll you or to not you know, sure. not disagree with you on certain things. Cause it's just, we all place different stock in what it is. And I sure. think that's important to recognize. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I think like, to, this is like maybe the oversimplified analogy here, but to me, like, I just think about a restaurant and like having a good restaurant has nothing to do with your social media presence at all, but having a good restaurant also means you want customers. And so if you want to expose your barbecue joint on social media, it's probably not all that bad, but it doesn't mean you have a good barbecue joint just because you have a social media page. So I don't know, stupid analogy, but there you go. I think that's a good, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm not on social media cause I'm like still working on my barbecue joint, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Never ending. Process. Still got to get that rub right before I can put it out there. <laughs> like it's stupid in the way I think Sasha described, like you, you, if you're like doing this, more than your like actual craft and you're just like stuck here all the time you know I, I mean yeah it's like that is that is man that is stupid but like you know if you're never doing it at all like you may be the best player in the world and no one's gonna know it you know you may have the the you may have the best thing artistically to say but if you're not visible it, it's it's not it kind of doesn't matter you know <laughs> thank you Casey I don't get it. Sorry. Read the chat. <laughs> one one of these chat. episodes, we're just going to have to put, like, Casey posted a score follow along. We're just going to have to post, like, a, a chat follow along. That'll be a Patreon bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Ben the one always saying mansplaining? I don't think Ksenia is. Yeah. I don't think Ksenia or Carly's ever called me mansplaining. Because you control our paycheck. Listen, whoever's editing this one, leave this part in. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Okay, so we have uh, only a couple of more questions that we'd like to get to. Um, one, another one from Instagram from DJ Orson Beats says, "Can you be good at a social media job if you don't personally use social media?" Do any of you have any thoughts on this? Yes. You think so? Yeah, I've known people who they, that's their job, and because it's their job, they can't stand using it themselves. That's like teachers who don't want to have kids. Mm -hmm. I yeah. can understand that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or like doctors who don't want to do surgery on themselves. <laughs> oh, this mansplaining is going places. It's not mansplaining, by the way. You can't just be like a man explaining something is not mansplaining. That's by exactly the way. what it is. Like any dumbest thing anyone's ever said on this podcast. Yeah, this is getting, this is the, this is great. This is the dumbest. Yeah. No. No, that's not that's not what it is. Look it up. 
<laughs> yes, yes, of course, obviously. Sorry, we're just, uh, we're a little bit too friendly here. Um, and our last question, if I'm correct, is from Ryan Carlisle, who says, do hashtags really work? I'm legitimately curious about this. Can you folks uh, spread some light on this issue for us? I feel like I'm ne never really sure. Um, I feel like I can never really tell. Um, I, sometimes I do it anyways, um, and also like some, some of my endorsing companies require that I use hashtags, so I'm like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I, I try to like do like a dot, 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 and then put all the hashtags at the bottom because I don't want them to be right next to like whatever I, the blurb that goes under my Instagram post or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I'm never really sure if it like helps, if it helps or if it hurts or anything. I, I kind of use them on and off and you know who knows i don't i don't really care enough to figure it out maybe someone someone that's a job for someone else but um yeah i don't know i feel like more like if other accounts or other people share your content that that's more successful than like something like hashtags or maybe if you can get on like the explore page or something i don't i don't really know how that algorithm works either but those seem I, more I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of use certain hashtag that I like I would have followed. Like I watch a lot of Real Housewives, right? So like I would there's certain like Real Housewives of New York hashtag specific to one housewife. I would I would I would follow that hashtag and it, it's like not a generic hashtag and it really worked. So it got me to thinking like if I do something every time I pose with dot, 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 and then with the whatever 30, 25 hashtag that I use, some, ge some generic, some not as generic, some very specific. I think if you post long enough or often enough, like every day, I think it does work, but it, it takes time to build up. But then there's like, where a point that it peaks and then we just slow down. So I, I don't think there's a magical answer to that. I mean, this Cameron, like to share, I mean, he uses a lot of hashtag to know. Yeah. I. I used I was using a lot of hashtags. I kind of stopped recently um, just to see what would happen. I mean, they definitely get you more engagement. You get more likes. And I would say followers, maybe not so much. Most of that is just people following and unfollowing, you know, after 24 hours or whatever to try to get that, that follow from you. Um, I think, you know, it, it's going to get your engagement up. And I've definitely I've hit the explore page from hashtags before. And like I've had a post just blow up. Uh, but that was, I think, twice in the last four years. So, I don't know. Uh, they're, f yeah. If you're really trying to build a following, I would throw down your 30 hashtags and you know make 20 of them pretty standard things. But otherwise, it's just kind of annoying. And I net for some reason I never copy and pasted them between posts. I typed them out every time like an idiot. So, <laughs> hard worker, hard at work. Well. That brings our episode to a close. Um, thank you, Matt Lau from Hong Kong. So lovely to see you on your beautiful Monday morning. Cameron, thanks for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us. And Sasha too, so lovely to finally meet you and get to hear uh, what you have to say on this topic. Um, we'll have all of you back for some other more cheerful topics, I feel like. This, this can certainly be a, a tricky one, but it's really important for all of those young ones who are wondering how should they establish something, especially if they don't have a website yet. I think this is a very valuable, inexpensive way to start putting yourself on the map. So yes, skin hair, skin care and hair, skin hair, there. I just invented a new hashtag for you, Matt.
Um, awesome. Lovely to have you all. Thanks for the conversation and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Thanks everybody.